Welcome to the From Battle to Business podcast. In this podcast, business coach and fellow veteran Dean Van Dyke will bridge the gap between service and civilian life, helping guide veteran business owners to supercharge their business and unlock hidden profits. You wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business. Let's get to it. Welcome back, folks. This is your host, Dean Van Dyke with From Battle to Business. And this week, I've got a special guest. And I think it's timely because as we head into the holidays, all of us can use a little bit more love in our life. And Paul Zolman, who's an international bestselling author of The Role of Love. And you might think, well, what is the role of love? Well, actually, it's a game. He's created a new way to demonstrate the principles of the love languages. It's a profound way to learn all five of them and to give them away. By giving them away, your vision will improve to the point that you can see them coming your way and respond appropriately. The system is so easy that even young children use it. But spoiler alert, it's literally a game where everyone wins. So stay tuned and listen in. Well, welcome back from Battle to Business with your host, Dean Van Dyke. And today I'm truly honored to have Paul Zolman, international bestselling author of The Role of Love. But the true author, as Paul says, of love is God. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Dean. Pleasure to be with you today. Great to have you. Great to have you. Looking forward to this. Yeah, let's jump into it. So in 60 seconds or less, just tell us who Paul is. Paul has been in the financial industry most of his life, was in the military Army Reserve for six years. And currently, I'm helping people learn how to love a lot better, improving their loving skills. Well, based on a lot of events that are happening in the world today, we could all use those skills. I agree. I agree. There's a lot going on. There is. So tell me about your Army Reserve. I, I know my listeners love to hear about veterans and the work they did. So tell us about that experience that you had in the Army Reserve. I went in the Army Reserve when I'm called a Cold War vet. So there were no wars going on around the world, at least that the United States were was involved with. And in that capacity, I was a chaplain's assistant for four and a half years, really a, a pretty cushy job in comparison with a lot of the other jobs. And so I felt a little guilty toward the end and for the last year and a half became a cook and that I, I really worked. If anybody's out there listening, that's been a cook, you know, I worked really hard the last year and a half. That you did two squares a day, typically with the. Uh... Mm. Well, we usually got MREs for lunch. We didn't usually get the hot hot chow for lunch, but uh, well, that's awesome. So the, well, chaplain's assistant though, I mean, being a chaplain and an assistant can, um, you know, that can be a challenging, but very rewarding as well. It was very challenging. It's interesting. Uh, at one annual training, we went to Korea and just the two mm -hmm. weeks in Korea, and at, at that time, the, all the soldiers, they're all looking and, and can find those not so good activities. And so sure. my job as chaplain's assistant was to scout around town and look for activities that would be a whole lot more suitable to the, to the soldiers. Most of our soldiers in our unit were businessmen already, or they, they had some sort of uh, business ties. And so I thought maybe the Chamber of Commerce might be a great place for these oh, wow. soldiers to go. Um, I, I was fluent in Japanese and a, a, an American speaking Japanese in Korea. Uh, it was just an oddity of it in and of itself. But uh, that fluency in Japanese I'd learned six years earlier 
and I had to brush up a little bit before I went there, but I'd find people that were over 50 years old because Japan occupied Korea during World War II. Mm -hmm. And during that time, they forced the, the people, the kids to learn Japanese. Mm -hmm. And so, so those that were forced to learn Japanese still knew Japanese. And so if they were 50 years old or older at the time, then I could talk to them. And it, it was hard to detect because or Orientals really hide their age. And it's real. So it was, it was interesting. I only got sent on a bus to the very end one, one time. Other than that, they were very kind and very, very gracious. I ended up not doing the Chamber of Commerce, but found a church leader there that was interested in more of an exchange. That church leader set up 19 different families that had two soldiers go to each family. So 30, 38 uh, soldiers that actually went to these family had a cultural event in most of those homes, all of those homes, mm -hmm. they all spoke English and they were practicing their English. That was a perfect thing for them, but it was a cultural event for those soldiers. The home I went to with the leader, uh, he couldn't speak any English, but but he spoke Japanese very well. He spoke, uh, translated the Japanese into Korean for his family because they didn't speak Japanese. And I oh. translated translated the Japanese into English for the guy that was with me. It was like we had a, a miniature United Nations meeting there, only we didn't have the microphones. Nice. Well, I know the <clears throat> that would have been uh, a great experience, uh, having been in the Navy and traveled extensively in the Mediterranean and the Middle East. It, um, mm -hmm. Having that kind of a, a cultural exchange would have been uh, a pleasant <clears throat> experience based on some of the other experiences that were available to us but uh well let's um let's jump into you you know as the intro we talked about love and and one of the things you talk about on your website is is the five love languages i'm familiar mm -hmm. with what they are uh but would you give us uh just help us understand what they are and what sure what's the purpose behind those so the five love languages were developed or, or the theory came out in a book format in 1992 by a Dr. Gary Chapman. He was a pastor himself. And obviously I have an interest in being Christian and I am Christian, but he had said that these five love languages reconcile to the life of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Everything that is in the five love languages reconcile that way. So I did my own fact check obviously and, and confirmed that that's what they do. But it really helps you be a whole lot better person by practicing the five love languages. Most people, the theory say, have just a primary love language that they like, something mm -hmm. that they li either like to give away and they like to receive. So the, the thought process is that most people give away what they want to come back. And in my thought process, that didn't, didn't work for me. I came from a background of anger. And mm -hmm. to me, uh, to me I, I didn't have those skills to be able to send the love out in hopes of getting it back. So that reciprocity wasn't working for me. The other thing that Dr. Chapman says, well, if I guess, Dean, what your love language is, and I cater to that, we're going to be buddies. I'm a bad guesser, a really bad guesser. And it wasn't working for me so far in my life up until that time. Why in the heck would it work now? And it just wasn't, wasn't doing it for me. The second thing that Dr. Chapman has said that is if you take this survey, you can find out what your love language is. Well, Dean, what the heck am I supposed to do with that? Advertise? I was thinking about printing buttons and put on my shirt and said, 
hello, I'm Gifts. What do you what do you have for me today? And it was just, it's kind of ridiculous. And and it gets and unintentionally, I'm sure, but it gets you to this little whiny voice. Well, I told you how to love me. Why aren't you doing it? And it's just um, you don't want to even go to that pity party there to get there. But the as far as five love languages, I, I'm agreeable with the principles and I like the principles. So I actually made it a game and I put the five love languages. I'll just go through it. I'm showing right now for those listeners, I'm showing a hand with an hourglass on it. Time is one of those love languages, and this would represent time. Some people just like to hang out. They just like to be with you. You could watch a Hallmark movie with them, which kind of is, some people don't like them. I like them. My wife does not. So she's, she just toughs it out sometimes and just loves me by spending that time with me to watch that Hallmark movie. The next one I've got up is like a server at a restaurant holding a platter that would represent service. So service looks like that person loves it when you wash their car. That person loves it when you vacuum the carpet or take the trash out or do mm. uh, gas up the car. There's a lot of things that that person would love. They light up and that's how you tell what love language that, that is. The next one I have is two hands put together to form a heart, very common. Uh, a thing that has happens throughout the, the mm -hmm. world right now. Uh, but this particular one has a little conversation fly out from it. It's like a cartoon fly out when someone is talking in a cartoon. This would be the words from the heart. Some people like to hear the words, I love you, or they like to hear compliments mm -hmm. or the like, and, and that's what they really like. The next icon that I have on the cube is, is two hands, like they're holding hands. That would represent touch. Some people like the high fives, the fist bumps, the chest bumps for the football people out there, or or a fancy handshake, a maybe a 20-step handshake that just shows that they've got a, a relationship and it's just something special between the two mm -hmm. of them. Of course, it includes the hugs and the intimacy as well. That would be touch. The last one is, actually, we talked, we talked about the words. Last one would be the gifts. So this is a hand holding a gift, and the the gifts would be are pretty self-explanatory. People just light up when they when they get a gift. Mm -hmm. the, the, there's six sides on the cube. Last side is a hand holding a question mark. That one is represents surprise me. So there's just two instructions, Dean. You roll the cube every day. Whatever it lands on, that's the love language you practice giving away all day that day, all day to everybody. It's not like, woohoo, I did the dishes, I'm done. It's not like that at all. It's all day, everybody. Well, you just took my my next question. So I guess we can uh, oh, keep rolling. No, no, it's uh, it's good. So uh, <clears throat> so I've I've had experience with the five love languages as well. And, and it's, and I, I'll admit, I struggled with them. I mean, it's not, um, I can't remember what mine actually is, uh, but it it really is, you know, with the kids, it's, it's spending time. Of course, all of our, ours are grown. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, one of the things I was thinking about as I was preparing for uh, our conversation today was couples tend to get comfortable in their relationship. So mm -hmm. when they get comfortable in the relationship, you know, some of those things that you talked about, you know, they, they don't practice that. So how, so when you think about, the um, the love dice 
Am, am I using that right? The love is that what it's called? Or what? I call I call it the role of love. R role of R O L E. Yeah. So, how can folks use and practice the role of love every day in light of that? Dean, that's a great question. I really I look at this as an investment, and any investment you that I've ever made and talked to other investors, mm -hmm. they want to make a little investment, have huge returns. Everybody right. wants that in the beginning. This is one of those investments that will never fail, that you'll send for two seconds of the day to roll the die at the beginning of the day. It sets a theme for the day, more of a purpose, attention, mm -hmm. an intention for the day. This is what I'm doing all day long. And with that declaration comes the the actions when you find somebody while you're practicing that particular genre of love when you find somebody that lights up no longer do you have to say can we pause this relationship for just a minute well i have you take a survey so i know how to love you you don't have to do that awkward thing anymore all you have to do is watch them light up you've made their day and with that it's a it's paid for you right there right then mm -hmm. and there but what you're doing is you're sending out love without any regard of it coming back. It's not that recipro reciprocity anymore. It's not that transaction. It's not let's make a deal. It's not that is not love. What this is is sending it out without any regard of it coming back, but watching and having the trust that it's going to come back because of the laws of the universe that are already in place before mm -hmm. we ever started living here on Earth and before after, even after we go the law of the harvest, law of karma, the law of attraction, the law of reciprocity, the law of, of polarity, any of those laws would 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 apply to this, that mm -hmm. sending it out, it's going to come right back to you. Just trust it. Don't, well, don't, don't believe that it's going to be paid today. Well, that's the thing, right? So I can recall an example yesterday. So like I said, I, before we hit record, is I'm struggling with a respiratory infection and so spent... <clears throat> too long at the doctor yesterday uh but that's a that's a that's a process improvement they can make but um so after leaving there i wanted to get grab a tea so i stopped grab a tea and um as i'm leaving i see somebody walking in so i held the door open for me so it's really about mm -hmm. you know it's you're exactly right what you do um may not <clears throat> be reciprocated right away uh, because I, I mean, I've held the doors for many a people and they kind of grumble when they, you know, thank you. Mm. And it's like, Hey, you know, you may be having a bad day. I mean, that that's the brief glimpse that we have into each other's lives as we interact every day. If we all were practicing what you were talking about, um, simply rolling that, uh, you know, roll of love dice in the morning uh, and then setting that intention so it's it's really about you were talking about setting the intention of doing it and then expecting nothing in return i mean that's where i think some folks struggle a bit because and me too i'm guilty as charged um you do something but then you expect something and when that doesn't happen it you know i, I think that that's where and i i've caught myself doing that too i mean i like I said, I'm guilty as charged on some of that, but, uh, you know, one of the things <clears throat> that, you know, you, um, 
you know, our schools today, uh, I won't get into kind of my thoughts on our schools and where they're headed and, uh, but really just practicing what you're talking about. Um, what do you think, I mean, how would they benefit and what do you think the ultimate, uh, impact to not only school, but then to families and society as a whole? Great question, Dean. Let me just back up a minute. You talked about couples getting to a point that they may be too familiar with themselves. They mm -hmm. forget to do these things. This really, it, the, the variety is kind of built in here, that as you're rolling the die, you may not be sending them that particular love language. Thankfully, I, I created a way that you don't have to eat tacos the, every day the rest of your life, Dean. This is, and if you put somebody in a box that said, well, that's their love language and they don't get anything else to eat the rest of their life, that we don't have to do that anymore. We provide that variety and mm -hmm. variety really is the spice of life. So that will keep your relationship a lot hotter, a lot spicier, a lot more fun uh, relationships of any kind. And people, you know, on Christmas, you're going to want that love language of gifts. And everybody's there's that expectation there, but you're still you're still anticipating and hoping that that happens. So mm -hmm. you're just you're listening, you're watching for opportunities, and you're going to surprise someone with something they may have said may, maybe two or three or four or six months prior to that, and they still want that thing, but now they're they're surprised that you were listening, surprised that it actually happened. And the your second question about the schools. I've taken this and I'm testing it in some some younger primary schools that uh, K through six. And in that situation, what they do is that the teacher or a class member rolls the uh, die at the beginning of the day. Then mm -hmm. the teacher might take 30 or 45 seconds to explain to the class, class, this is the type of behavior we're watching for today. At the end of the day, what happens is uh, I prepared a, a PDF that I give. This is a journal that I have, but I prepared a PDF that says what they rolled, opportunities they saw to love in that way, and what they did about those opportunities. Obviously, the younger grades might not write very much, but at least they can. It gets them in the the, the habit of putting down their mm -hmm. thoughts. Sure. It gets it gets them also in the habit of being responsible for their mm -hmm. own behavior. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is teach responsibility, Dean, and help these child children see that it's important to be responsible and mostly important to send out love every day, all day, every day. And so what we're looking for through, through this is obviously great stories. The mm -hmm. teacher would pull out, extract a few of those great stories, read them to the class the next day. Look what Johnny did. Look what Mary did. Look at all these uh, and, and highlight maybe one story every single day, one or two stories every single day. What that does is motivate the other children to also want to have their story read at the end of the day. Second thing that it does for these children is that these kids are really tired. I've talked with teachers around the world, Dean, and these teachers, the, the, they all agree the last 10 to 15 minutes of the day is non-productive time. The kids have been there all day. They're antsy. They know the bell's going to ring. They know they're, they're just, brains are mushed. They can't take on one more thing. Right. Journaling is a decompression activity. So it decompresses those kids, 
takes away that anxiety, takes mm -hmm. away all that angst that may have happened throughout the day. And it just will, it's a release for them use that and and the kids are going to return back to home a whole lot calmer than they than they left school and it'll it'll just be a great activity in that way to to make non-productive time non-productive school time that we're paying taxes for non-productive school time make it productive for them i mean i think the you know one of the key things or themes i heard as you were talking is is really the behavior right of of continuing to do good. And I think that that's, you know, and then modeling it. Right. So recognizing those that uh, did it. Uh, my, my bride is, <clears throat> or was a pre-K she's now moved into leadership, but mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that, that she did every day was model <clears throat> and then reinforce the behaviors that they were looking for in the classroom. And I think that that's, you know, what you're talking about is, you know, I, I can't imagine what this world would be like is if every day, every classroom in this world rolled your die and practiced, um, practice that. And so, so one of the areas that you talk about, um, it, which I find interesting is the workplace and, how workplace relationships can benefit from something like this, because it, um, you know, we have, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, the, the workplace relationships can be very tough. Mm -hmm. um, so how, excuse me, how can the workplace benefit from something like this? That's a great question, Dean. And let me just put it this way. I, I, the opening the door that you did the other day, just yesterday for that person is the kind of workplace environment, workplace love that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're talking about basic decency that is really not so common anymore. It used to be very common, used to be something that, that was out there a lot. I think that putting love, the word love in the workplace is almost taboo anymore. And just I would so, agree. So so let's change it, change the word to kindness change the word to consideration, change the word to whatever it is that works for you in the workplace. We can mm -hmm. change change the word to that, but it's still extending love. I've found in, in my study and in, in the work that I do, Dean, that these are basic. These love languages are basic. And you're not going to be able to touch anybody at the workplace. You can do the high five. You can do the fist bump. You can do those type of things. Maybe pat them on the back, obviously above the waist. You're not going, you, you got to keep it, keep it nice, keep it clean. We're not talking about sexual love here. And right. so, and I think that the workplace had, and, and a lot of people have that mixed up that, that love is, is sex and it's a natural thing. I'm telling you it's not because if you're insulting, 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 how are you going to get to intimacy, which is really kind of a higher law of mm -hmm. love. So what I found in, in my life and the problem that I had, Dean, was I had, was stacking anger. I was stacking one annoyance on top of another, top of another, on top of another, until I had this flash of anger. That's what I wanted to overcome in my own life. But I grew mm -hmm. up in an angry household that, that put... Sorry, I lost you there for a minute. I noticed that. You're back. Yeah, I'm back. I'm grateful I'm back. Maybe I have to clip that, that section out. I'm not sure how you do that, but... 
So I found that stacking that anger really was a pattern that that was passed down from my father, maybe from his grandfather, maybe for many, many generations, more of a generational thing. I learned it from my father. And I had a lot of resentment uh, um, all the way up till age 35 and said, I'm angry because of my father. I was blaming him all the way to 35. Now, at 35, my father had already been dead for seven years. And I oh. woke up one day and I thought, what the heck am I doing? How can I blame him? He can't even defend himself. How can I blame him for my actions? And I realized I was now responsible for my own actions at age 35. Well, that was a revelation for me. So what we're trying to do in the classroom, trying to do at work in the classroom everywhere is help people be responsible for their own actions. The workplace is still one of those places that you can do that. Once you've finished your work to be productive for that company, if you're an employee, then you just go find someone else that has some extra work mm -hmm. or has a project that they're overloaded, try to unload what they're doing. It's not all about you. And that's right. especially what I'm trying to say today. Even love isn't about you and about getting love. The way you do this, the way you feel that self-love is make somebody else's day. When you make their day, there's a great satisfaction that you're going to get by doing that. Mm -hmm. It works in the workplace very well. You're helping somebody accomplish their work, their goals. You're, help, you're doing all the work that you, you need to do. You get it done fast. You don't space this out so that this project that took should take four hours now takes eight hours. You don't do that and, and expect to be paid and expect to stay at that company. People, right. people don't quit companies. They quit people. And from a leadership standpoint and in the, in, the, uh, in the workplace, what you're looking for is to make sure that you're making your employees day. They're, you're making them happy. You're making them uh, 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 you're helping them have just the very best day possible. From an employee standpoint, what you're doing is making sure your fellow employees are also taken care of and mm -hmm. that you're doing what the leader asks you to do, that you're making their day as well. And so it works from top top down or bottom up in any way. It also works for customer service. When you're making that customer feel very satisfied and loved, you can probably detect even over the phone or an email, you can find detect what their language is and be able to detect what their love language might mm -hmm. be. When you light that customer up, they're coming back for more. So that, that guy made my day. Where is John today? I want to talk to John. And they're going to request that employee. They're going to they're, they're going to ask for that same person that helped them so well the previous day. So when it comes to the sales force, if you can, if that salesman can detect what the love language is of that customer and help cater to that within their bounds, within the products that you have, that customer also is going to buy and they might buy more True. and they're going to come back because they feel valued. They feel loved from that business. That's how it can be uh, set up in the workplace. Well, I think, you know, one of the things, <clears throat> so kindness, you know, there's a phrase, kill them with kindness, right? Um, I can't remember who coined the phrase, uh, you know, it's better to use a little sugar than it is a little bit of, uh, I even forget what the, the tart, whatever the, but, <clears throat> you know, when you think about kindness as in general, it really, it impacts your brain, right? So it, it, 
it enhances those positive emotions. It boosts your serotonin. It boosts the dopamine. I mean, it really, when you are kind, um, it really impacts your culture. Uh, Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, you have a thriving culture. I mean, I know, you know, we have a lot of tech companies out here and and they were laying off and continue to lay people off. So in, and I've been at one of those companies when they did their very first round of layoffs. And I tell you the anxiety that that creates Mm -hmm. the low morale and, and just the, the kindness that can combat that, um, you know, it just, it, we just need more of it. And I think that we as a society have gotten away from it. You know, I have heard it phrased the me generation or, mm-hmm. you know, it's me, me, me. Um, but when we practice kindness and we're intentional about it, you not only have more engaged employees at, at work, but you have more engaged students at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have more engaged families. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it's so good to, um, and don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, there are some days when I'm driving, I'm probably not the kindest person. Um, so, (laughs) but you, but when you think about stuff like that and pull yourself back from that, right. You know, the, the key thing is recognizing it. And then, um, you know, and I've even caught myself saying, Oh, I missed, missed an opportunity to be kind there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think what you're, you're, you're on a mission, um, and I love the mission, uh, no pun intended. Um, <clears throat> but you know, just, you know, I looked at the, the dice and just what you're doing and, and what you said about the five love languages has been, um, very helpful because I'll admit when I first read the book, I'm like, Oh, I know what I am. And, but then trying to practice that every day is like, it, it it's tough. I mean, and um, what you're doing with the dice is really, you're setting an intention for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I use meditation. Uh, I do, um, you know, use, um, well, the Bible more on my phone mm-hmm. than the actual Bible, but I guess that is a Bible. What am I saying? Sure. Uh, but you know, it's, <clears throat> so I'm really, I mean, you know, with what you are doing, I think it's, it's, uh, the impact you could have on the world is, is phenomenal. So, um, but I'm gonna I want to jump into my lightning round here, uh, and these are going to be some of the toughest questions you've ever All answered. Right. I'm um, looking forward to it. So, when you one of the questions I love to ask is, uh, you know, what are the top three books that you'd recommend to the audience, and why? Great question, Dean. And I, I really love the you know, think and grow rich. It's, it's about just being, being that person and, and watching for the the monetary rewards. I, I like that, that uh, to watch for that, but it's, it really shouldn't be a focus of your life. Right. But I think the character development that gets you there is actually something that's very valuable. So that, that'd be one. I love, I have eight, eight children, Dean. And so I love children's books and you, you'd find me snuggled with them in their bed at bedtime reading the book with with them and one of my favorite books from from that is frog and toad and frog and frog and toad trilogy or there's just a lot of different stories they really kind of have a an adult theme but they put it in in children's words and you know one of my favorite is uh is called the list and so frogs making a list of the things to do today 
very ap applicable to business. Everybody makes their to-do list. This is what I'm going to do today. And he's starting walking. And one of the things was to go to Toad's house, go visit his friend. And as he's walking, a big gust of wind comes up, blows the list out of his hand, and he starts crying and wailing because he can't catch the list. Mm, sure. Now, now because he doesn't have the list, he can't do anything. And it's just one of it, it's one of those just fun situations where you know sometimes we have this list and we lose our list or we lose our focus on what we're doing that day, and we just sit down and cry and just can't do anything theoretically. I mean, it's just it's just. Uh, one a fun book and obviously the bible is the would mm -hmm. be uh, in that top three that reading the scriptures i think is really important it will ground you to that to really um, who you are and and who you can be mm -hmm. uh, and and who you're not uh, i mean it'll, it'll tell you all all that it'll help help refine you in so many different ways so those would be probably the top three well i appreciate that great books um, so where can my audience go to find out more about Paul and the amazing work that you do, that you are doing? Thank you, Dean. They can go to rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love. And I kind of did a play on words. You R-O-L-L -L is something you do outside of you. You roll the mm -hmm. die, you roll the cube outside of you. R-O-L-E is what the change inside that you're looking for when that happens. And one of those changes we didn't talk about that was for me is I found myself looking at people thinking, what's wrong with that person? Why are they doing that? And I realized that most people are intrinsically good. Maybe mm -hmm. 10 to 20%, they might have weaknesses or faults, but 80 to 90%, I was missing it. And I was, wasn't focused on the 80 to 90% good of that person. I was focused on 10 to 20% faults of that person. I think we have a society like that the media trains us to do that, and mm -hmm. this this really will help you focus on that uh, other good. And instead of saying what's wrong with that person, now the the mindset is what's right with that person. What can I love about that person? And you'll you'll find all that. I've got on on that website. I've got a book that kind of highlights a lot about that and the journal. So you can get the the die, the the journal, and the book in a bundle package that I have. It's about 20% off the normal price. So $29.99, a whole lot less than this one therapy session. So, <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, I love to give my uh, guests the final words. So I'm going to give you the final word, Paul, and you can take us home. So we talked a little bit about that. You know, a little sugar makes the medicine go down. That's a, a song that actually came from the sound of music. So let's tap back into the sound of music a little bit more. There's also a song where Rolf is down on the ground and, and the Von Trapp sisters on the second or the Von Trapp girl is on the second floor um, and he's singing to her. One of the songs that he sings is, is uh, puts it this way, says, love in the heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love till it's given away. Wow. Profound. Profound. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for joining us today. And I wish you the best. Thank you, Dean. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for listening. In order to help others, please subscribe and share this show up with other veteran business owners in your network. If you want specific guidance, feel free to book a complimentary call with Dean at deanvandyke.com. Remember, you wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business.